0: All right, let's do this how are you what the fuckers what the fuck buddies what the fucking ears what's happening how's it going i'm mark Marin. this is my podcast now look i'm recording this a, a, a little early earlier than usual to accommodate my travel plans. so it's not that like i'm on the cutting edge of topical shit to begin with but i, I just want you to know that uh this is a. This has been on the shelf for a few days, and I and I and I hope that's okay with you. I'll try to. I'll try to keep it evergreen. Thinking about reading a couple emails. Thinking about reacting to a couple things. This is really a great conversation today. I'm going to tell you that right now. Tony Hale is on the show today. Now, Tony Hale is truly, I think, one of the funniest comedic actors working. You, you've seen him uh, in Veep. You've seen him on Arrested Development. He's he's now the voice of Forky. In the show, Forky Asks a Question for the new Disney Plus streaming service uh, that launches tomorrow, November 12th. He also has his own animated show on Netflix called Archibald's Next Big Thing. I did a voice uh, of a hermit crab on that show, but you know him from from all his comedic work and all his straight acting work. But but we had a, a very interesting talk about, about faith and about being a person of faith. You know, not so much in in a argumentative way, but just you know the way you know people talk about their life and what their life is. It was just a. I think getting to know Tony was a an exciting thing for me to to do because I have a a great respect for his talent. But now as a person, you get to know people a little better. We had a lot in common. Uh, Jesus not being one of them, but but I, I respect his uh, his position on it and his life uh, in in light of that and and uh, and every and everything else. You know, it was just one of those talks that, that went a place that's very interesting and exciting to me so that's coming up uh, I, I i guarantee you you'll you, you'll be surprised and and uh excited to get to know tony funny fucking guy and uh you're just great i mean jesus on veep are you kidding me all right so here's some emails some of them are heavy but i'll share them with you you know i recently engaged with somebody who thought it was uh you know not right, and I talk about this in a future podcast in an interview I just did the other day. To you know, share about uh, being an AA, even though I say I don't represent AA, even though there's other ways to get sober and whatever. But you got to know the shits out there. But there's people within the program that are like, "Hey, man, there's a tradition that uh, says you can't uh, talk about it publicly." Well, well, that condition is like the Constitution. It needs a uh, need that tradition. It's like there's a yeah, an amendment needs to be made. This is the real world. This is modern times. This is. You need to save lives. But anyways, I just say that because I do get emails like this one. Sober on the streets of Nashville. Hi, Mark. I wanted to reach out to you today as I just got my first year of sobriety and it was through your podcast that I came to understand that it was something I wanted. I picked up on the concept of sobriety being treated as a spiritual connectedness through one of your episodes. Forgive me, I can't remember which one it was exactly. And while it took me another year to get sober, I always remember that one moment on your show where you seem to have something I wanted, as we say in the program. Anyways, my wife and I came to your show in Nashville last month It was hilarious And we ran into you on the street after I asked you if you wanted to get dinner As you seemed to seem to tat alone But you're on your way to the Ryman to see Jason Isbell It was an honor to be able to say hi to you for a second Shake your hand though I hope you enjoyed Jason Enjoyed performing for us And had an all-around good time in Nashville Kind regards Josh in Nashville Yes, I had a great time Congratulations on your year of sobriety That is no small feat, man Good shit, good for you. So along the same lines, hey Mark, subject line lozenges, I really enjoy it when you talk about nicotine lozenges. I'm not really sure why I find it so fascinating. I haven't had a cigarette in seven years. I don't, I don't even want to smoke again. I loved it, but I guess I tricked my brain into being over it. Quit cold turkey. I was having weird heart palpitations that were freaking me out, so I quit everything for a week. No caffeine, cigs, booze, nothing. I guess from the caffeine-nicotine withdrawals, I ended up sweeping most of the week. It wasn't really hard for me to stay off the cigs and coffee. Gave up my coffee for about five years. Terrible. Back on it. I love it. My life's more enjoyable with a couple of daily cups. My buddy's been off cigarettes for two years, but he's still on the nicotine gum. He says it's great. He says it keeps him regular. Another friend of mine was trying to get off the vape and he heard your pod with Dorf and decided to get some Walgreens lozenges. It worked for him. He's off the vape. Now I catch myself eyeing the lozenges and the gum when I'm at the store. Would I be an idiot to get on lozenges after being off nicotine for seven years? I don't know. I have my two cups of coffee in the morning and then I'm like, damn, now what? What's up on those? fucking lozenges. Huh. Anyway, congrats for getting off the lozenges. Thanks for the pod and the comedy. So look, dude, don't do it. You're off. You're out. There's no fucking way that you're not going to get strung out on lozenges. If you're an addict, listen to you, even the way you write. Holy shit. Don't do it. Don't do it. Because you'll be in it, you'll be in it, and then you'll have to kick it. I can't believe I'm going on vacation without a fucking monkey on my back. Sorry, I was looking at my phone. Um, Why is this happening? It's weird, like what, my phone just um, just recorded everything I just said and transcribed it into a text to Brendan. It was not, why, this, I, I got a 10, and the buttons are fucked. I'm sorry. Where's my brain? Anyways, um, this one gets a little darker. Putting dad down, subject line. Mark, my dad's been suffering from Parkinson's for about 15 years, and his health is, of course, degrading. Severely as the incurable disease progresses, I struggle emotionally with watching this from a distance and feeling helpless as my job requires. I live across the country from my parents. I wish I could be there to help my mother with the growing weight of caring for my aging father, and my inability to be there in any constructive manner pains me. So, your little back and forth about taking your dad to the vet to put him down struck a chord. It was exactly the comic relief about my own situation I desperately needed. Were you being cynical? Maybe a little, but it highlights our national need to be able to discuss end-of-life planning without stigma or fear. But overall, you brought some much-needed levity to a difficult situation, and I appreciate that. My sense of humor comes primarily from my father, and he would have found your discussion equally amusing. Regards, HR. Glad to help out, pal. Sorry what you're going through. It's horrible. And you're right. We do need to sort of talk about death uh, in in a more grown-up fashion. Uh, without uh without denial and also about end-of-life planning i think you're absolutely right i think that is true um so what does this one say oh yes yeah this is sad um you know this guy you know it's i i'm dreading this dear mark subject line my cat passing i've been a big fan of yours for years in both good times and bad and The many states of mind and circumstances in between. I've turned to your WTF podcast, to your shows, and to your movies for laughter, insight, and most of all, for heart. Thank you so much for all that you do for me and for millions of others. Two weeks ago, my beloved cat Jasper died suddenly from a cardiac event. There was no warning up to that morning, and he died laying next to me in the passenger seat of my car on the way to the emergency vet. My hand petting the top of his head, trying to soothe his tremendous pain. I cried my eyes out and when I got to the vet, even more so when I was told as I'd feared that he was indeed gone and there was nothing more that I or anyone else could do to save him. Today, having picked up his ashes from the vet and with many tears shed, I think about how I've gotten through the last couple of weeks and how among my friends and family and yes, my psychoanalyst. To another person has also been such an ally in this journey of mourning. Uh, you, Mark Marin, and your WTF podcast. I think of your love, your grittiness, your unabashedly being yourself. And I think of you, your being a cat person through and through, and how I believe you'd get this that you'd empathize with me and that I'd feel both your humor. And your heart so I'm writing this in hopes of it reaching you maybe even hearing something back and to say that you keep helping my life get better including in times of loss respectfully yours Jack in Seattle Jack I'm sorry man you know there's nothing anyone can say or do to make grief any easier I mean maybe you can make it easier but it's still gonna last as long as it's gonna last and we love these fucking animals God damn it! I've been spending so much time with Monkey right now because he's sick, and he's 15, and his sister's 15, and I'm I'm giving him the pills. I don't think I'm going to get him radiated because he's oh he's okay, but I'm really paying attention to enjoying his company. It's a weird thing that you get to do, not so much with parents or kids or uh, maybe when they're sick, but I don't want to be too dark. But you know, with animals. When they get old, you know, you're, you're supposed to outlive the animals, generally speaking. And, you know, it's coming. And I think that there is a way to start the grieving before they go. But I'm sorry you lost your cat suddenly. I hope you had a good life with you and that you had a good life with him. And you know what, Jack, and I'm not, this is not cynical. But once you get over it, you can just get another one. I know the cat with Jasper was special, but they're all fucking geniuses and you can just pick them up off the street. They're like everywhere. There's, you, you, with two, with one phone call, you could find a dozen cats if you wanted. You, there's, there's plenty of cats that need love and uh, you will find the strength to get one uh, eventually. And, uh, but I, I hear you. I empathize. I, I get it, dude. Tony Hale. You know him from Veep, from Arrested Development, from other features, animated things, Drunk History, all of that. He's uh, the voice of Forky in the show Forky asks a question for the new Disney Plus streaming service, uh, that launches tomorrow, November twelfth. He also has his own animated show on Netflix called Archibald's Next Big Thing. I did a voice for that. I played a hermit crab, and I was—I've always been curious about uh tony and and what he's like and who he is and i was thrilled to have him and glad he came over i didn't know if it was going to happen and it's it's happened it's happened and he's here so this is me talking to tony hale enjoy so how'd our cartoon turn out so for
1: those of you who didn't know, yeah. Mark did a voice on this cartoon I produced called Archibald's Next Big Thing and he played a hermit crab. Yeah. Who was very used to living alone and his shell yeah. got broke and Archibald the chicken came along and said, Well, I need to help you find a home and and his name was Freddie. Yeah. Yeah, and Freddie was like, "No, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay." And Archibald's like, "No, let me help you. You want me to do it? No, I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay." <laughs> and then in the end, the lesson is like, you know, he needed a little push to get some friends. He yeah. always thought he, "Oh, I can live an isolated life." And yeah. Archibald's like, "No, you need. We need community." Yeah,
0: yeah, and it worked out. And then there yeah, was a lot of good. crabs at the end. I remember you you built a crab condo. Yeah, a crab condo out of out of broken pottery pieces. It, <laughs> But this was, but that was based on a book you co-wrote.
1: I wrote with my buddies uh, Tony Bagney and Victor Huckabee years ago, called Archibald's Next Big Thing. But it, was that
0: a, a, a popular book? It kind of, nah. I mean,
1: it was it was an amazing experience. I don't think it like did it did not do gangbusters, mm. but it was really fun because it was based on this idea of me always looking to the next thing and missing where I was. Oh. And so Archibald- That's a real problem we all have, Tony. So he, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm still struggling with it. <laughs> yeah. And he gets, anyways, he gets a card in the mail that says your big thing is here. And he's yeah. like, where? And he goes on all these adventures, but he's like, I gotta get to my next big thing. And this bee comes along. And it's like, you gotta just be, man. Yeah. <laughs> and then in the end, he realizes the truth is our big thing is right here. My big thing is talking to you right now. That's my big thing.
0: Right, but do you have this problem? <laughs> like I noticed this as we're talking about that thing I did with you is that- and I knew you were coming over today, is that I knew I did it. I knew I played a hermit crab. Mm. I knew I was cranky. hmm And, but like, because really when it comes down- Which was down- very nice of you to do, by the way. I appreciated you doing it. No, it was great. I'm, I was happy to do it. Uh, it was fun. But like, it's really, like you're only, I'm in the studio basically one day, and then another mm-hmm. day for pickups, mm-hmm. and I'm sitting in there yesterday, and I'm like, I can't remember the fucking story. I know I was a crab, mm-hmm. but does that happen to you, or am I, or should I go to the doctor?
1: No, you shouldn't go. <laughs> What if today's the day I'm like, you have a real problem, Mark? <laughs> um, no, I- Like it, it I can't remember shit. Well, I- Okay, here's- This is what my- uh, what? I, Go ahead. I, well, I, 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 say, <laughs> I say this knowing that I still struggle with it. So I'm yeah. coming from a place of like, this is a daily battle for right. me. I don't remember most of my life. <laughs> <laughs> and I th- I actually don't remember sixth grade down at all. Really? Not even bits? I don't remember friends. I don't remember teachers. I don't remember anything. None of it. None of it. None of it. Really? Yeah. Therapists have tried to crack the code. I don't even understand. But I. But I do know. The older I got. Yeah. I still don't remember much. However, when I wasn't practicing being present in a place. Yeah. I feel like I've been most. I've been pretty detached for most of my life. Whether it be with anxiety or right. checked out somewhere else. Whether in you know dreaming about something yeah. or creating narratives that haven't happened yet. Whatever it is. And when that happens- Horrible
0: narratives? I,
1: oh, yeah, fully, like full narratives. Yeah, I've like, already walked through trauma that doesn't even exist. Yeah. And so I think with that, um, you're not there. Yeah. And so I don't remember it. And the times that I have practiced being present, and I will say Veep is an example of that. Yeah. During Arrested Development, I was not very present, and that's where the book came from. Right. Veep, I where really, Archibald came from. Where the yeah, that kind of idea of yeah, just being present, right? And Veep, um, I really tried to be there, and I remember more.
0: Yeah, of that,
1: of that, and it's recent, and it's recent, and it's a lesson I'm trying, especially having a daughter. She's thirteen. She's thirteen now. Thirteen. She's thirteen, and I'm really like Tony. Be right here. Don't be somewhere checked out in your head because these are going. Yours are going
0: fast. Right, they do go by very fast, and I just have old cats to look at. Yeah,
1: I don't have very any sweet children. cats that I just met. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe one of them is fifteen. There are two of them are fifteen.
0: Where, where, They're mon- brother and sister. Where the-
1: <laughs> Where'd the name monkey come from? Monkey looked like a monkey. He did. You think the when cat I, looked like a monkey? When I
0: first got him, he had this weird tuft of hair on his nose Aww. that went away. Uh-huh. That kind of reconfigured his face to look yeah. more like a monkey face. Aw, yeah. Where did you get him? I got Lafonda and Monkey, and they were running around. Lafonda, <laughs> La yeah, that was my That's so good. My uh, my uh, ex wife uh, named that cat. I think it was probably after Napoleon Dynamite. But I pulled those cats out of the back alley of my Astoria apartment in two thousand and four. Oh, wow, and there were five of them, and they were all feral. It's quite a story. I've told it many times. <laughs> I, I trapped them all in boxes, thinking they would just be fun kittens, but they were already wild. And then I couldn't get them out of my house, and it was a Fucking disaster! Yeah, 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 yeah. And you don't have any allergies? No, yeah. not that I know of. Do you? One hundred percent. Cat? Yeah. Did you know that you were cats? We? Nope. You, you were supposed to be told. It's totally
1: fine. I've right, got when... my inhaler
0: with me. Oh, okay. Because
1: years ago, so uh, you might have watched me have a
0: a, a full an asthma attack on I've, radio. I, I've seen it before years ago. Ed Helms almost died in the garage, and sadly and selfishly, I had not gotten the amount of time I wanted out of him. <laughs>
1: So, so i
0: i let poor ed wheeze through so he has asthma ed he has cat allergy bad yeah and, and like real bad because that garage i didn't even let the cats in so it must have been through the air conditioner oh, yeah. or something i
1: think the old uh, i i used to not be able to have any pets we got some dogs and i think that has kind of decreased Help, my the, sensitivity the dander sensitivity yeah, yeah, yeah well
0: let's talk about this thing because like you're saying that um With Veep, you were more present and and more able to remember, though it was recent. Don't you find that like during Arrested Development, at least in the first season, I mean, you were still struggling to some degree, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, you know, so that whole weird struggle part of Mm -hmm. like, you know, like, am I gonna land? Is this, you know, like, if everything that you do that's still part of that active struggle before you sort of land and go, Mm -hmm. I'm okay. If if you're lucky enough to be okay, which you are in terms of, you know, Mm. career, Mm. Right. I mean, and
1: you're st- it's still always a, uh, a, a struggle to be like rest and just, hey, I'm provided for, you know? It's right, like that's, right, but it's in amazing the middle how we're when you're always, younger. Yeah, it's always a hustle. It can always feel like a hustle. But yeah. that
0: anxiety it yes. levels. Yes. It levels your ability to sort of yes. take in what's happening. And I talk
1: about this a lot of time to the point where I'm like, oh, God, I'm sure I'm just boring everybody. To who? But I don't know. Anytime I, this is, I mean, it, I get on a bit of a soapbox about it because, I I got my dream on Arrested Development and it didn't satisfy me the way I thought it was going to satisfy me. And Does it, anything? Um, <laughs> if I think if I, but here's the thing. Anything doesn't if your expectations are unrealistic. And my I think I came into Arrested Development because all the times in New York, I was like, yeah. all I wanted was a sitcom. I just wanted a sitcom. And I was there seven years and I was like, that's coming, that's coming. And I gave it too much weight. Uh, and then I got there and I was like, oh, the reality, of, I, uh, just the reality of like I gave it too much uh, power, yeah. and so I think because of that I woke up to the fact of like I had been just not been very present. Oh, you know? I
0: might see. I think that when I really look at things, my expectations are really, really for, for the most part just to feel better. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, well, yeah, I, and I, think, I don't think it's going to solve any big problems, or that I'm going to launch into some part of some other level yeah. of fame. But like, I'd like to get through something, and after I'm through it, not go like, God, I don't, I could have done but better. Don't, <laughs> but do you,
1: don't you? Don't you? I don't know if you do this. I, I think my time in New York, and I still do this to an extent whatever I was going through, whether it was, you know, the struggle or life or something, yeah. there was always this fantasy and narrative in my head of like, oh, once that sitcom happens, once this perfect job happens. And for me, it was the job someone else it could be. Once I get married, once I have a baby, right, one, right, whatever yeah, sure, it is, sure. then something's going to click in. And right, right, you, right. I gave that thing too much power. And it's just, oh, yeah. you know, and then I, then I was there and I was like, and I've said this a lot, but it's that thing of if you're not practicing contentment where you uh, are, you're not yeah. going to be content when you get what you want. Those
0: seem to be the big theme. So,
1: like, where do you where do you come from? And just in in growing up? Yeah, um, I was the South. I was right. Well, my dad was in the army. I was an army brat. Really? Like, how much? How much did you travel? I think I traveled. I think it was like seven times before, six or seven times before the seventh grade. Yeah. And then my brother and I talk about this, that might have been a part of the memory thing. just you, you really didn't really uh... were, you, were you like in Germany? And yeah, we were in Germany. We lived in Heidelberg and Berlin for, for five years. And then the seventh grade, we settled in Tallahassee. Oof. And the... <laughs> I love Tallahassee. Why do you have that reaction? I
0: don't. <laughs> I, do you I, not I, like Florida? I, I avoid it. My mother's there. Oh, she's where in, she's in? Uh, my she, parents are in Vero Beach, Hollywood, Florida, Fort okay. Lauderdale area. Oh yeah, okay, the Jew area. Yeah, yeah, and sure, <laughs> sure, yeah, and uh, Jews and Germans in the summer. Yeah, um, but no, I, I've grown to appreciate Florida. But I, I actually did a show in Tallahassee um, at the college at FSU. Yeah, part mm-hmm. of a program which was good, but yeah. it was like shortly after the election. I yeah. mean, Tallahassee's the South. Where my mother yeah. is is something else. It is true. Uh, Tallahassee is very Georgian. Yeah, and uh, my feelings was just only because, like you know, it's a very small pocket of blue. If it, you know, mm-hmm. it, within that world, mm-hmm. and you know, at that time, you know, I'm looking at the businesses and the way that you know, I'm, I'm judging to a certain degree. Sure. But I did have one of these revelations there, where you know, I'm, you know, I was at some health food restaurant near the college, and there was mm-hmm. three or four like older looking progressive people, mm-hmm. kind of huddled and talking about how terrified they were. And I'm like, is this what America's going to look like? We're just like huddled groups of yeah, you know, yeah, old yeah, hippies yeah. going like, we're in trouble. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah so, yeah. so I think it was my my opinion of it. The school seemed great and the audience was pretty good.
1: Yeah. And yeah. I, 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 I just spent middle school and high school there and I... You know i was i had a typical you know off and on growing up but it's like i had I, f- I had some really good memories there so i enjoy going back so you
0: do have those memories yes a couple a couple yeah but
1: i mean to that point i mean it was tough at times but i i found this theater that i really kind of felt seen and enjoyed my brother was into sports i wasn't into sports really like what was he he like was a soccer guy? he was a soccer, soccer player and I just older brother he was older yeah. and i didn't like sports and in the south you know everything is sports and so when my parents found this theater, it was a real gift. And so I have a lot of very, very fond memories about so theater. that. theater.
0: So you were like a children's theater?
1: Yeah, it was Young Actors Theater in Tallahassee, Florida. And it was started by Tina Williams. And it was just, and the thing is, I'm a huge, I'm a huge advocate for arts education. Because yeah. even if you don't go into a career like we have, yeah, certain personalities need those environments to thrive. And yeah. I, was, I was one of those personalities.
0: Yeah, I just did a benefit, I host a benefit every year for Flea's um, music conservatory, the oh yeah. Silver League Conservatory of Music, yeah, yeah. which he he did in response to public schools cutting yeah. music programs. I know, and I don't even, I mean, it's, the, the I was not
1: just, there's so many personalities that need that environment, and it's crazy for them to keep cutting
0: those like, funds. what about, well, what about your, cause like I had that, you know, like I had a guitar teacher yeah, like I didn't do it in public school. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't really the music classes didn't resonate with me too much. I was it, they were sort of aggravating, but guitar lessons did. Mm-hmm. And but what is it? that you think what kind of personality? What was it about you?
1: Mm, well, I mean, I was a, I was a very uh, I was a really sensitive kid. I was kind of a uh, little bit uh, a lot of energy. <laughs> Not, yeah. you know, just kind of. Making jokes and quirky and um, all that kind of stuff, and I don't awkward beyond. (laughs) I just wanted everybody to like me. (laughs) Yeah, very needy. Um, There was I I didn't I I remember this one story. I didn't like sports so much. I remember doing this swim meet, and these people were swimming next to me, and I stopped in the middle of the meet and stood up. And my dad has this look, like, "What are you doing? Keep going!" And he said, "I had this look that was like, why? 'Why? I'm exhausted. Why would I? Why would I keep swimming?'" Um, but it was just—I felt like the theater was a space where, and I was encouraged to be kind of dramatic and right. goofy and
0: think beyond the box. And I, I loved making people laugh. And well, what was your dad like? What, so it's a military family, but it's yeah. not—it's not—it's not great Santini style, is it? No, my dad was very. Um, he, I really. They were always very supportive. My
1: grandfather was in was an opera singer, and he was your he, dad's father. Yeah, and he performed also in a lot of clubs in Miami. He died. He died when my dad was um, very young. So my dad had an appreciation for the arts. So, I, so in addition to having his, his kind of military, you know, training, he was very huh. um, artistic. I wonder him. what drove him to the military. I don't know. I mean, we've. I, Is I've he still never, around? Yeah, he's still around. We've never really, it's uh, a good question. We've never talked about it, but I think he went to West Point. Oh, he did. <laughs> and he even taught nuclear physics at West Point at one point. So he's a smart guy. He's a very smart guy, really a sensitive guy. Him and my, but him and my mom were always very supportive. And what's your mom do? She was, um, she she did a lot of things. She um, stayed at home with us when we were growing up. And yeah. then she- uh, Just you and your brother? Me and my brother yeah. and- well, my sister, we have an older sister too. Oh, you do? And, but she also was actually involved in politics a lot. She helped people with campaigns when Bob Graham went for Senator and she helped this woman uh, uh, in Atlanta when she was going through her campaign. Yeah. And, you know, so she's, she, was, she was kind of involved in politics too.
0: Yeah, so they, did, were you aware of that then? No, I was only aware of myself.
1: Yeah, I was. It was all about me. I was just like, when can I, when can I like get a laugh? When can I get attention? How how popular can I be? All that stupid stuff.
0: But do you like when you know in your work sort because you're sort of a very unique and uh, memorable comic talent? Oh, that's nice. As are you. Thank you. Um, uh, But you know, it it is kind of interesting, especially with the stuff you do on Veep, that 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 character, Mm -hmm. you know, in and of itself is just like. Insanely codependent character, yeah, like to, to 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 a degree that I don't think's ever been really explored, yeah, and uh, and <laughs> yeah, and and it, it seems to come as, off as is Buster Bluth on Arrested Development, true, mm-hmm. but these are sort of like from what you're saying to me that you know this is a, a big component of your personality. It is. I do codependency very well. Yeah, um, I but do, did I... you find like when you were younger that you know you were at a loss. For outside of knowing how to laugh, I'm knowing how to get laughs or wanting to get laughs. I'm just ju- yeah. like thinking about my own life. Did yeah. you? Did you? Did you kind of um, glom on to stronger personalities to kind um, of? Like-
1: oh, that's a good way. Of look, yeah, I, I think I. Hmm. That's a that's a good question because I think if if, if a person was very popular, I yeah. would probably yeah I, I can see myself wanting to, yeah I did try to attach myself to them to get some kind of identity right. Um, and that is what Gary did on Veep with Selena. Right. He had no identity outside right. of Selena Meyer.
0: So yeah, I I I think I did that all through high school. I did too, and I, I it, like it, it's weird. I don't because I consider you a fairly strong personality. And I consider myself one too. But there's this this emotional thing, mm-hmm. and I have tried to figure out exactly why I have it. Yeah, I do think though, because
1: I've listened to your podcast yeah. a lot and. This is what's great about life is you I mean I, I still it's not that I don't struggle with it but man the older you get you really do identify when huh I have a strong I I can I can settle in an identity I have mm-hmm. and a value and I have and not not have to give power to that other person you know No
0: for sure but like there's still a, 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 there I still find that I have a fundamental envy of people that seem so non-reflecting Non-reflexively grounded mm. in themselves. Mm. Like, you know, when you see people that like, that guy never goes, who, who am I? Why am I so proud? Mm-hmm. Fr-
1: <laughs> I'm actually envious of that too. I'm, yeah. I'm envious of not walking around life and going, hey, we're spending on a planet, guys. Yeah. This doesn't, you know. It's not, not going well. I just drove by a graveyard. We're all going there. You know, like we're all, or like you want, sometimes you want to stand up at events and be like, hey, we're all gonna die. Does anybody recognize that? But some people, you're right, they kind of go through life and they accept, they, it. They accept it and they accept that. I, I, it's taken a long time for me to accept the uncertainty, to live in the powerlessness of it all, and yeah. to kind of almost live in the question, all that
0: kind of stuff. Yeah, I find that if I let myself get exhausted by anxiety, all those questions seem to become unimportant.
1: The life questions? Yeah. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Where it's just like, I can't. Yeah. A... <laughs> yeah. But do you also find it, I think there's another side of it. I find it very um, comforting when I'm giving too much anxiety to something, too much power to something, and I'm like, Tony. I go to a meta place, and I'm yeah. like, we're, again, we're spinning on a planet. I was doing Conan uh, once, and I walked, o- I walked off stage. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I didn't feel like I did. It was very funny, and I, I bombed th- or said something, this something stupid. No, this was, uh, well, maybe a couple years ago. I had this feeling like recently. Yeah. And I walked off and I went up to Andy and I was like, Andy, I just, I don't think that was very funny. I think I bombed. And he goes, Tony, it doesn't matter. (laughs) It just doesn't matter. And he's like, I think he he gave the example of like, it's like a paper boat in the ocean. It just... Goes away.
0: Andy's very good at that.
1: He's so good at that. And I was like, and somebody else might interpret that as like, wow, that's really heavy. But that was such a gift to me. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, it
0: doesn't matter. It, and it matters even less now usually. Yeah. In the sense of like, you know, who's going to see it? What are you really worried about? Who's going to judge you like you're going to judge yourself? Well, it's
1: that narrative. I mean, I'll create a whole narrative of that. Someone will take that to an extreme and think, you know, whatever. Right. And it's all my thing of creating conversations that people might be having or actually here's the thing it's all narcissism to think that anybody will be thinking that much about well, that's what my i, I used to do a yeah. joke
0: but it wasn't really a joke it was a line i wrote that where i said uh you know most of what other people are thinking is something you're making up yeah <laughs> yeah but they're not think they don't not, like think about yourself really yeah and how much time do you spend it's just crazy
1: and the classic example i'm sure you've done this of like when you're with a director or you're doing a scene and yeah and you think you didn't do it right, you go home and you think how much that director is obsessing
0: about how awful you are, what choice and this kind of stuff. And it's like, like, that director
1: has got so much to think about. He's got so much on his plate, he's not thinking about you.
0: Or also when you walk off going like, you know, they don't care because like that was (laughs) terrible. And it's like, well, they chose to say cut. They're moving on. Yeah, they got something. A lot is hanging on them. They're not gonna let you do garbage. Yeah, Just go like, fuck it, we'll just let that guy die. Do you
1: know what Uh, a cool thing that I learned on Veep, I'm again, still learning, but. David Mandel took up the show from Armando Unucci and David was so fantastic. But, um, However, when I was with um, Armando Iannucci, one thing Brits do, which is uh, really great, they don't give you highs and lows in terms of response. Uh-huh. So it's like when we were with Armando Iannucci, he you would do something and I think I'm so used to like, okay, the director's either going to be like, oh my gosh, that was so great! Or you're going to know oh, that kind yeah. of was not great. Yeah. But Armando always gave this kind of flat... Kind of even keel response to where you. I had to begin to learn to trust my own uh, my own validation, right, my right. own you know yeah. sense of how I think it went, and walk off and go. I can't rely on that director's because in a typical actor format, you're like, okay, he did a little chuckle. His eye, you know, you you read however you think you did. Yeah, and our manager just gave this real flat thing, and it, it taught me to trust myself. And I
0: really it was that was like four years of that, right well the, it's it's about hijacking or 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 at least pushing back on that voice that always tells you the same thing, right that yeah, you're, yeah. it's not quite good enough or it wasn't quite right, like yeah, we put that voice inside of our head because it seems like we have a lot in common ar- around this, and the best explanation that that I found for it, mm-hmm. and I don't know if it'll help you, no, please was this uh, I read this book called The Fantasy Bond by Robert Firestone. Oh, that's a great title. It's great. But the idea is that, you know, when you're younger, if your parents are self-involved or they're you know, emotionally selfish mm-hmm. or negligent mm-hmm. or even abusive, that when you feel uncomfortable as a very young person, um you, you can't blame your parents because they're your parents. Mm-hmm. So you naturally blame yourself. Yeah. So you implement mm-hmm. A, a dialogue, an inner parent that tells you you're bad, yeah, that you're not good enough. That yeah. like clearly it can't be your parents. It's yeah, got to be you. Yeah, and that sticks in there, hmm. and that works for me. But it sounds like your parents were, were supportive. Did they?
1: Very. Um, did they give one tool that this therapist gave me that I love yeah. in regards to that is, um, if I'm you know feeling just, you know, the negative self-talk we do and just beat ourselves up. And, and I think about it. if my daughter came to me and said, hey, dad, I'm feeling kind of low. I'm yeah. feeling kind of stressed out, yeah. overwhelmed. I would be like, honey, it's going to be okay. I'd hold her. I'd be like, hey, we're in this together. Let's do this. However, I don't talk to myself that way. And he's like beginning to talk to yourself as though you would to your daughter. Right. You know? Yeah. And I just, it's just, it's it's so habitual for me to be like, Tony, what an idiot. Why would you do that all right. this kind yeah, of stuff? Yeah
0: and that but i would never say that to my daughter so self-parenting yeah self-parenting yeah in right. a healthy way no it's great yeah exactly yeah because i had that thing the other night i taped this special and we did two tapings right and the first taping did not go well mm. and i knew it was not i knew i could hit better yeah yeah i yeah. knew it wasn't right but everyone around me you know yeah. director sure. executives are like great we got it and i'm like the fuck are you talking yeah about? yeah yeah but i knew i was right
1: would you say you you built that on the response you got or the the inner kind of like I knew I could do the turns better, I knew I could do the rhythms better. Well, no, it
0: was just cuz it was like it was a different type of theater. It was at the we did it at the Red Cat Theater, which is a black box theater, mm-hmm. which is a, kind of a, a, a sparse intense place. Right. And I was too like I wanted to hit everything right, mm-hmm. so I was too kind of in it. Yeah, like yeah, it was yeah. felt too rehearsed. The audience it was seven on a Wednesday. Yeah, And yeah, they were just yeah, yeah. You know, they were entertained, but sure. I, I couldn't get a role going and I knew that. Mm. and so going into the second one either I could have went like I'm fucked I'm just mm-hmm. fucked all night or I'm like dude how are you going to stay open how are you going to show up for this how yeah. are you going to like you know make this happen yeah how are you going to get over this hump right mm-hmm. and luckily the audience I heard them with the opener I was like no oh, they're okay they're better you know they're they're more responsive I,
1: I have such admiration for stand up I really do <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's like man, just what you guys get and then able to say, all right, moving on. Oh, yeah. I just knew that if I walked away from that second show with that same feeling, I would... But now, like, I did it and I'm like, it's over. I've been working a year and a half on that material and it's almost like a relief. A year and a half. Yeah. And, like, you you know, I didn't even... it doesn't matter. So, how do you get from (laughs) Tallahassee? Like, how do you... Where do you... So, you pursue theater? How does it work?
1: So, I studied... Yeah, I did... I loved theater and to Alhassie, in high school and then in high school and then going to college i didn't know if i could make a career out of it so i studied journalism which that's like a dying art yeah
0: but were you interested in that
1: um hmm, i was more in the mass communications part of journalism because i i think i told them i liked people yeah just because i didn't know if i could make a career off acting right and I did that for four years. Had a great experience at college, and then in after, journalism. In journalism in Alabama at the sc- school called Samford, and then Alabama,
0: and at Birmingham, Alabama. So, oh, I, I, we shot there. That's a great town, really. What did you shoot? The uh, Lynn Shelton movie, "Sort of Trust." Oh yeah, we did two weeks there. It was I a- love Birmingham. Yeah, there's something about it, huh?
1: I love it. And so I, um, anyways, I did that, and then after that, I was like, well, let me dip my toe back into this acting thing. And I, in 1995, I moved to New York and just, and I didn't know anybody. Right after college? No, right after college, I went back home for a year. And then I, then I actually, I studied in Virginia a little bit. Acting? Acting, just to kind of really- In Virginia,
0: w- how do you get to Virginia from, like you go back home to Tallahassee and then-
1: I went back to home to Tallahassee. I heard about the school in Virginia. And honestly, I just needed a space. I had a lot of anxiety getting back into acting. I think I just had this. Um, if I'm to be honest, which you know you're very good at the honesty stuff, I had. I remember having a panic attack in high school during a show, and I thought it was an asthma attack, and it was a panic attack. Oh, and it's so worse.
0: You couldn't breathe,
1: and you're like, and I couldn't breathe that, I and I didn't know what was happening. And then after after that, I that was. I think that was a large part of not wanting to invest in acting in college. In addition, did not you know I could make a career out of it. And so after college, I was like, I, I, I don't know if I'm ready to like make the jump. So then I started doing this in Virginia just to get back on stage, just to kind of see if, you know, I could get past this anxiety.
0: Was it like before you went out there? Like before the show or when did it happen? Like how? Um, how it was it-
1: during a show, Little Abner, during a high school show, during a, during a song, Jubilation T. Pone. And I just all of a sudden couldn't breathe. And I, I remember rushing off stage to get my inhaler taking it and not working and being like, what's going on with my body? Yeah. And then I remember also in college having panic attacks. I remember being on this bus, going to this retreat and having this feeling of like, wait, we're in a bus in the mountains. If I have something happens, there's no place to go. Like that kind of like (sighs) neurosis. And at that time, panic attacks were not, you know, talked about. No one really knew what was going on. Um, no kind of, you know, specific, th- like since then I've been able to do a lot of cognitive behavioral therapy ca- kind of stuff, which I'm
0: really love, but-, but, but not the breathe in the bag thing.
1: No, they're, they're, back then they were like, what's going on? Yeah. And so it was just so much fear. Cause you're like, wait, I know, I know. Cause they cause you'd always get like, you're fine. Like yeah. there's nothing wrong with you. Right. And you're like, okay,
0: but my body feels <laughs> yeah. like it's shutting down. I went to the, the, the doctor a lot in college. Oh yeah, you yeah, it so. know uh, it's just uh, it's it's awful. <laughs> my mine was always my hands and feet are tingling,
1: tingling. Yeah, <laughs> and also your vision gets very narrow. Yeah, blurry. You never feel like uh, you're going to get over that breath. Oh, it's the worst. So I haven't had the breathing one in a while. Mm, man, I'm so grateful for therapy. Anyway, so after that. I didn't I was still wanted to do this acting thing but just this anxiety was keeping me from it.
0: But it sounds like so but you had anxiety about everything. But it was usually it was triggered by your brain getting into a, an existential existential dread mode.
1: I think if I'm honest it was my anxiety at the end of high school in college you can temper and keep those situations anxiety at a level. Yeah. And then your body says I got to react to this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is you're keeping a lid on stuff that you can't keep a lid on anymore and your body starts, you know, bubbling over. And what, that's and what you was mean happening. mentally? I think mentally, family stuff, you know, personal stuff, just kind of like, you know, there's addiction in my fa- all this kind of stuff. And just like, you know, different stuff that you just kind of, uh, you can kind of keep a happy face on and then your body starts reacting uh, so to it. Oh, so you
0: grew up like, you know, you were the you were the, the kid who was, you know, keeping it all together.
1: Yeah. I think and, I think kind of like um Yeah. And trying to
0: make everybody happy.
1: Yes. And very um
0: Yeah. People, Even knowing that things were not right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Which a lot of you know, a lot of kids do. Of course.
0: Yeah. You know, there's like, you know, there's only a couple ways to go with that. Either you become you know, uh, uh, an addict or whatever, or you're the other guy. Hey, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and I was very much the performer.
1: <laughs> right, right. And I'm good, I was good at it. Like, you become all things to all people.
0: Yeah, I, I just talked to, who did I just, John Goodman about this. Really? Yes, very, very similar trip. Real people pleasing, very hard on himself. Sure. Still. And the crazy, the cool thing about life, as you know, is
1: kid deals with anxiety, all things to all people. It's neat how shit can turn into uh, Funny. productive things. Yeah.
0: But this is exactly. But this yeah for sure. But this is exactly what I'm talking about. If you don't have that, if if whatever it is, you know, and you can be vague about it to protect sure, whatever. Sure, sure. But I mean, whatever it is, you're not getting the the sort of closure, you know, the the sort of consistent kind of grounded closure you need from the parents, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. your brain's just sort of like. Well, I, why am I uncomfortable then? It can't be them. And mm-hmm. you know, you've got to manage.
1: Yeah, and they're, you know, they're doing their best cuz they yeah. they they you know, everybody they didn't have the foundation they needed. Sure. Um but yeah, it's yeah. At the, but when you're a kid,
0: yeah, exactly. you don't- <laughs> You can't understand you don't, that. You
1: don't understand it. You don't have the tools to know yeah. how to manage it. Yeah, All you know is survival mode Yeah, and you will, um, and when you get the kind of gratification of whether it be an audience or, hey, if I'm this way to this person, they're going to get, they're going to like me. I mean, and they're also the, the biggest assholes. Yeah from high school
0: yeah. and
1: yet still wanting them to like me
0: i know i know it's, it's me, like know. a
1: dog returning to its vomit you're yeah, like what yeah, is yeah. going on going
0: back to the scene of the crime yeah, it's to just, reenact it over and over again but that's the
1: level of need where you're just like oh my god if you like me then
0: maybe i'll have some, you know all that kind of crazy i can't crazy even figure stuff. out what it is like there's something about charming monsters yeah that's that, a great way to put it yeah <laughs> that, you know it, it makes you feel safe for a minute But like it's and even in this business, you know, it's it's just I know. There's
1: that sense of uh, subconsciously going, "Oh, if that person sees me a certain way," and then you have to step away and go, "Wow, why am I giving this person power?" Oh, this is
0: it. All comes back to childhood, sure, you know, and and also like you start to realize. In in I realized late. But I do realize it that, like, all these people are fucking broken weirdos themselves. We're all broken like, weirdos. I know. And it's just sort of, like, in that moment where you're thinking, I need approval, like, you know, you don't see them as a person anymore. Like, there's some other thing going on. There's oh, some, yeah. There's some, I, you know, like. There's you know, a huge transference happening. Yeah, yeah. I Like, I don't always understand it. But as a funny person, mm-hmm. you know, like, in high school, like, you know, you can sort of broker you know, between all clicks, mm-hmm. because you're funny. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, but there's always that kind of weird moment where that. I started to feel, which is, you know, like, all right, so I got all these monsters laughing, but mm-hmm. it still feels <laughs> like I'm, uh, you know, I'm just one line away from getting my ass kicked. <laughs> <laughs> I've got all these monsters laughing. Oh, that's so good. That
1: is so good. And in the moment, you're like, I got the monsters laughing. Yeah, I got them, I'm or at them. least killing. I got the monsters to invite me to their party. Right. It's like, why? And then uh, across the board, I even do this, you know, as a parent, I'm sure, or I'll probably do this more, but like... Why do you want to be at that monstrous party? I don't want to be at the monster party. I want to be invited to the monstrous Dang party. Right, right, right. You know, it's yep. like I want to be accepted by the monsters.
0: But do we? But, but like, it's because we think the monsters have their shit together more than we do somehow. Yeah. Like yeah. at least they—they're just monsters. They don't think about the sad kid. No, <laughs> yeah, know, right? and they're so, in survival mode as well. I guess, but it, it seems like you—you know—it just seems a lot more together. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, cut to everybody's Instagram with a together picture and nobody's together.
0: Oh, it's the worst. What a, It's like just a never-ending cry for help on all platforms. <laughs> <laughs> Can't fucking take it. Like, you know, I know people that post like nine Instagrams a day. I'm like, dude, this is getting sad. It's getting... <laughs> <laughs> and it's like it's yeah it's a highlight reel I mean I'm on it, I don't it myself even know, I, I'm on it but like I forget to do it Sure. when you pull away a little bit and you start to look at the people you know and how much they're posting they're like wait are you doing anything with your life <laughs> I mean are all you thinking about is the next tweet or the next thing
1: well yeah I mean I I'll I, 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 I I'll be in conversations with someone and be thinking about the next yeah of course thing, I gotta you put know? that up there that would yeah. be good
0: I'm gonna do, or again. just
1: like what I'm doing next yeah I'm not in this conversation you know what now oh, I feel yeah. like I
0: am but but how do you serve? Like, for my look, I was a drug guy, where you know I would create sort of identities for myself yeah. Uh, involuntarily. Yeah. You know, but once it became the angry drunk guy, that lasted a good long time. Yeah. But there was definitely different sort of you know uh, uh, hair and facial hair configurations, different yeah. outfits. So like, but I really, if you watch my history on Conan O'Brien, you know, I there was you can just see a history of outfits <laughs> of a guy who never quite landed on it on a Sure, sensor. Yeah. Yeah. But like, how did you get through? God, so- I love that. I,
1: I love that question because I think I medicated with identities. I right. think I I think I in high school, I had my own like um, quirky, funny. At high school, I was one person. At the theater, I was one person. And again, you know, nobody's fault but my own. Like I was just creating this idea. And then I went to this um, Baptist school. Yeah. And if I'm honest, I came into that going, all right, I'm going to step into this southern khaki-wearing Christian man. Yeah. And that'll be my identity. (laughs) And I did for four years. Yeah. Um, And honestly, (laughs) I think God had, you know, he probably, you know, my faith is very important to me. And I think through that, he he began to reveal himself to me. Uh Uh-huh. Um, and I was like, you know, it, and that I, it's like I could maintain that kind of facade for so long and then I just, the shit fell apart and I was like, I'm a disaster. And that's where God, my higher power stepped in. Yeah. And it's like, I'm here for your disaster. I'm not here for this cookie cutter, Christian khakis, image, yeah. you know, pastel shirt wearing, whatever. Oh yeah. And he stepped in, you know. And, and he let you off the hook? Totally. <laughs> and, he, and, to the, and he still lets me off the hook. But it's like, I'm Stephen... You know, even moving to LA, yeah, we—I came from New York, and I, I'd never been on a studio lot. I'd never had that much free food in my life. You know, yeah. I was just like, "What's going on?" <laughs> and then I kind of stepped into that identity, and then the then I realized, okay, let me break that down and just try to be more myself and all that right. kind of stuff.
0: It's it's it it's hard. Like like you can hear me on this show. I mean, if I talk to like if I'm talking to Mel Brooks, I will become old and Jewish. Yeah. <laughs> Within minutes.
1: Well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because to get Mel Brooks to like you, there's that part in us that's. I mean, I, I even walk probably walk away from this going, well, I don't know, was that good? Did Mark like me? Does he? He's such a cool guy. He's funny. He's Not smart. Cool. You know, it's like yeah. I wonder what he's thinking about I me. Mean, you know, it's everybody du- plays that narrative in their head. Do you they? Know? Yes, I think. I think if we're, I think if we're, maybe you know, I can't say everybody, but it's like I, it's- most of the people I know. There's always these certain figures in their life that they really want to be approved by, they want to be seen by, and they will gravitate towards those,
0: you know. It's so much, I fight it now though, like I will not, like there are sometimes. like I had a hostess of this thing the other night, you know, Flea has that, Mm -hmm. and like, you know, those guys, the chili peppers, they're like a whole other level of like, you know, alphas. You know, not your classic jock monsters, but you know, mm-hmm. jock with the rock and roll. Like, there's a right. whole bunch of layers to it. And every time I've met Anthony Kiedis, I, I turn into a high school kid. I'm like, hey, hey, yeah, what's, hey, hi. Like, totally. I, I'm fighting totally. And it's not even that I love the guy or that of like course. I love the music, but he's just one of those dudes of where course. I just turn into like such a fucking you know like insecure. D- even though
1: your soul wants to be grounded, wants to be normal around him, wants to be yeah, organic. Just, it's it, yeah. It,
0: it's like it's a fucking nightmare, and I hate him for it. Yeah. <laughs> And I mean, he's probably
1: has been around. He's probably around a ton of people like that. He doesn't that. give
0: a shit. Like, he doesn't, like, and Oh, I think he's got his own shit, but I'm no, sure. Well, of course, he wrote a whole book about it. Yeah. You can see yeah. it. It's all out in the oven. But we're different types of dudes. Yes. And they're like, and there is sort of like, you know, I don't buy into the whole alpha beta myth, but like, I do buy into, like, you know, there are dudes that gravitate to a certain thing. They've got their own sensitivities. They're yeah. dealing with their problems in a certain way. Yeah. But there is a kind of like, for some reason, when somebody is effectively, you know, uh, confident and cool mm-hmm. is real i really think is what it comes down to It's this sort of like how is he so confident and cool it's a confidence thing now that i really think about it mm-hmm. like you know he's not sitting there going like am i okay you know I, you know what I mean? is he not though maybe i don't see it i mean mm-hmm. he probably is i think everybody is i guess but it, this is so much work to because think about i mean it. not
1: to get medic him but it's like if you really sit down and go oh we're spinning on a planet. I get like, it. Like this but, but, is no, but no, but here's the thing. Yeah. Why this is? We are all trying to pretend live a normal on Earth, you know, managing life, knowing that we're going to die in how many years. It's like everybody, to an extent, is walking around trying to maintain some kind of a normal amidst a crazy uncertainty.
0: We, but also, we, right, right, exactly, and, and denial of that. Most most of what we do is to aid in the denial of that uncertainty sure. and the the the. The the kind of inevitability of our our our, our mortality. Yeah, like I yeah. I found myself on stage, you know, talking about like you know having being on statins, you know, for my for my cholesterol. Yeah. And, like, right when you bring up stuff like that publicly, like, I got a little stuff in my heart, and I'm on the statins. I, you, I can feel the room go, ooh. And I'm like, you all have heart disease. Yeah. <laughs> Every one of you, if you don't have heart yeah. disease, you're going to have you're cancer. Gonna have, yeah. One of the other. Something is going to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, they, This is not the greatest thing for the middle of a comedy show. I just want to make sure we all know we're dying. But what a wake up. Like what I'm like, yeah. Maybe yeah. with that
1: perspective, maybe I'll treat somebody else a little different. I'm you try- know?
0: Well, yeah. I'm trying to integrate and accept the inevitability. So, all right. So you go. So you you go to New York, a Christian khaki wearing, pink. <laughs> I, sh- I, I, LaCosse, I left, I pink left pink the LaCosse khakis shirt. behind.
1: Oh, um, but I, I yeah, I went to in 1995, moved to New York, didn't know anybody um just to be an actor just to pursue acting yeah did you were you gonna
0: do a class or i don't
1: think i was at a place where i was like i'm an actor i was like all right i'm gonna try this out pursue it i didn't know if i could label myself but you moved
0: out of the southern jesus yes
1: yeah yes um jesus was still with me but it's like i moved out of that world (laughs) jesus came (laughs) but not the (laughs) pants yes exactly (laughs) so and i i didn't know anybody my first I remember. I don't know if you, you remember backstage. Yeah, yeah, sure. The paper, the paper. I looked yeah. at backstage. I my first show was Shakespeare in the parking lot. I did Taming of the Shrew in a parking lot in the East Village. <laughs> um, I I started. You know, every job under the sun. Uh, we the I went from lot. like sublet to sublet. Didn't know, but then I kind of like um, started doing commercials. But, I was but always no classes. I did do classes. I was the first class I did. It was a two year program. Yeah. I won't say the name. Why, was that bad? Well, the guy, the teacher was one of those kind of arrogant uh, drama teachers that everybody's walking on eggshells around. Who? I'm not going to say his name.
0: Well, maybe I was taking the class No, you might
1: have. We'll talk off air. But it's like, I don't want to- still around? No, he's not still around. I don't know. I don't want to do that. All right. But like he, you know, he was a good teacher, but he he didn't create a very safe space to me. Everybody was like, oh God, I want him to like me. And like, look at me, look at me. And so then I um, went to the Barrow Group and I, they, to me, I'd come from this place that everything was like, oh my gosh, your work is amazing. Your work, like Tony, find your way. Everything was so intense. And the Barrow Group brought back this idea of play. Like, what was I, the Barrow Group? This uh, just great theater program that um, this uh, Seth Barish and his wife created. Seth Barish, I know that name. Yeah, he directed Michael Berbiglia. Yeah, 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 yeah. And just like it just kind of let go of this whole heavy work mentality that this a lot of these like
0: the old failed method guy and his cult.
1: Yeah. And not to say that. I mean, yes, it is work, but it, it was nice to reintroduce this idea of play
0: and. Hey, like, let's let go of a lot of stuff. Well, like, was, what was the process? Like, did I you, think it was just like because, um, like, the other guy was probably just what scene studies and monologues, and you'd get a partner I think in the it class. Was just and, just that, know. but even the communication of it, just oh. like find
1: it and where are you and da da da. And it's like, oh, you're not here, and yeah. you need to be here, and yeah. it's just all this kind of like, good God, I'm yeah. just trying to. And rather than like, hey, let's just let stuff go and just yeah. kind of try to be in the be there, and and this is like your playground, and you're stepping into this character, you're stepping into the story. Um, just kind of like see what happens, you know, and and um also he they did one technique which I always appreciated. Like if I was doing a monologue, they would yeah. be like, "All right, let's have a, let's just have a conversation." Right before you start, yeah, and it was like we would just have a conversation, and then you go into the monologue. Oh. rather than like I'm stepping into a monologue, I'm my all of a right. sudden my speech changes, I get stiff. You know, yeah. it's like he's just kind of like, "Hey, let's just organically get into it."
0: You right. Know? So it's interesting though because it seems from looking at the work. You know, you you weren't a, a comedy guy, per se. No, I wasn't. I did
1: sketch comedy in New York, but- With who? I was never, uh, this, group, this um, group called King Baby, and it was with uh, this guy named Todd Wilkerson, Susan Isaacson, at the time Jeannie Noth, who's now Jeannie Gaffigan, Jim oh, Gaffigan's yeah, wife. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and we just did, we did sketches and it was really fun. Oh, you were with but the... I never But I never did improv or anything like that. No stand-up. No stand-up. Mm-mm.
0: But you just were gonna be an actor
1: yeah it was really and i did mainly commercials i was kind of the guy and my type was like he's kind of checked out <laughs> did you didn't you do a big commercial cookie. i like did a Andy? commercial the the volkswagen mr Roboto one and <laughs> i just i really enjoy i really enjoyed it because the commercials i did were pretty funny yeah and you know i wasn't just standing behind a side of car you yeah know, i was they were funny and so i really enjoyed it and when did you what was the first break um, in two thousand three, well, it took me many years to find an, uh, an agent and a or somebody to send me out for TV and film because I was kind of labeled a commercial actor.
0: Oh, so like that was your thing? Yeah. But, but those guys always have a run, like you know that you're the guy in the all the commercials for yeah. a year or two. Yeah, and, and I was that's it.
1: very grateful for that run because I could I could knock off some uh, some of those odd jobs. Like what would you which, which oh like, I I did man I temped everywhere. I, would, I would remember passing out flyers in Bryant Park a lot. Um, I cater waited. I actually really uh, liked cater waiting because I yeah. hated waiting tables because yeah. people got so obnoxious about food. Yeah. But cater waiting, you just put the same food down and you didn't have to talk to the people. Yeah. And then you'd have you'd get like twenty bucks an hour.
0: Like these are all the these are actor jobs. <laughs> yeah, they're actor jobs. And you're doing theater all the all the way through.
1: Yeah, like you know showcases yeah. and uh, stuff you found in backs. Not like off Broadway or Broadway stuff, but yeah. mainly mainly commercials. And then 2003, uh, years before that, this a couple uh, managers and agents um, were kind enough to start sending me out people I met through commercials. Yeah. And then the audition for Arrested Development came around. And I remember reading the script and being like, oh, I really like this script. Yeah. Because it reminded me of Christopher Guest stuff. Like yeah, I loved yeah, Christopher sure, Guest. Sure, And got a call back. And then um, I remember I shot the pilot out right when I got the call back. I flew out to LA, shot the pilot. And then I have a specific memory of running out of underwear. And I had to go to Old Navy to get underwear. <laughs> and that's literally one of the only memories I have. because of
0: coming out Which here. is
1: obviously trauma related. <laughs> but- I don't remember because I think I was so detached of just the, all the you know oh. I was so overwhelmed.
0: I yeah I have yeah it's weird that those are the memories. You're oh yeah, like yeah. I don't I don't have underwear. I yeah. don't have
1: enough underwear. <laughs> I need to go to where's an Old Navy? That, that's my focus. I need to find an Old but Navy. But
0: that's but you know what I've learned over time with myself is that that stuff is grounding, dude. Uh huh. You know that's that's an attempt at you know sort of like taking care of yourself. Yeah, and I remember going, while we were shooting the pilot, I
1: remember specifically going to dinner with Michael Sarah, and his mother to like, I think we went to like a cheesecake factory. Sure. And I didn't really know anybody. And I was just I just remember sitting in the cheesecake factory being like, okay. And having a conversation about kind of like, this is crazy. And Michael was new and I was new. And his mom, Linda, was really sweet. And like those kind of, I have those kind of pockets of memories.
0: Yeah. And so, but did, had you done some... Film stuff before that. I did like little bits
1: on sh- The Sopranos. I was a nurse oncologist on The Sopranos, and I was a photographer's assistant on Sex and the City named Tiger. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, did you find so so before Arrested Development? You didn't do any kind of like you didn't seem to have enough screen time to do any real character work. Yeah, I mainly that in class. Like I would I would kind of do that kind of stuff in class. Yeah, yeah. Because as time went on, even after Arrested Development, it seems like you were able, you can play serious, you can do it. Mm-hmm. And this isn't a question that I was mad at myself for not asking John Goodman in the same way, given that, you know, w- being hard on himself and, and having this anxiety, mm. but being great. Yeah. Is there, outside of getting a laugh or outside of, like, is there a tremendous amount of relief Involved in creating a character, or getting lost in a character, mm. or being, is it one of because I find with stand up, it's really one of the only places I can be a- actively present. Mm because I don't have a choice. And if I'm not present there, I'm in trouble. So like when you're acting or or lost in something, and I know TV works different because it's a lot of stopping and starting, but you do have to be present and engage. You do have to be present. Those moments,
1: if I'm honest, are few and far between because if I get into a rhythm like with Julia on Veep or something like that, when I got into those, I definitely would get lost in that. But for the most part in TV, I'm very aware of like the stopping and the starting, all the crew, I would say I was. I I just did this thing, um, this blacklist reading on yeah. Saturday night, and we read a script. And being on stage, I can relate to like your standup. Yeah, there is a, It really forces you to be present, and it's Good. a it, and ride that wave is. There really is a. Uh, it, it, it's a joy of being present on stage that I I miss. Yeah, because you can feel the audience. You can feel the audience. I'm doing a play. In San Francisco in January called Wakey Wakey. And I'm both terrified, but really looking forward to that kind of those moments again. What, where'd that come from? It's a play this guy named Will Eno directed. It Was it premiered in New York. Will Eno, that guy. Yeah, he, yeah. I know that guy. He's really gifted. And he, they did the play with Michael Emerson in New York years ago and wanted to bring it to the American Conservatory Theater in San Francisco and asked if I would do it. Yeah. Tim Simons knew Will Eno really well, who was yeah. on Veep. And I was, you know, at first I was like, "Oh, I haven't done theater in so long," but I really love it. Like, yeah. I really love it, and I'm just kind of taking it day to day. I'm excited, but I'm just like, "You're in oh, rehearsals." Okay. I start the day after Christmas. And is it a comedy? It's like, yeah, both, and it's a, it's, it's practically a one man show. There's a, there's a character,
0: a nurse character that comes in halfway through, and the one man show would be you. Yeah, and now. What's I mean? Like, obviously, working with that crew on Arrested Development, that was you guys became kind of a family a bit, right? Mm -hmm. Over time, Mm -hmm. like I came up with Dave. I know Dave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love
1: David Cross. (laughs) He's a very sweet man.
0: Very, yeah, yeah, yeah. When if you if he lets you in, he's very sweet. He's a very sweet man. He's a father now. It's crazy. Yeah, I used to like back in the day, like when I was in between houses when we were doing comedy in Cambridge. I used to stay at his. Like I, I I didn't have a house for some reason, mm-hmm. and I was sleeping on their couch. He lived oh. with three other guys, but when he was at his girlfriend's, I could sleep in his bed. I mean, yeah. like I have a bit real history with Dave.
1: <laughs> and I, I, we were when we were shooting, I guess this last season for Rested, I was I held his baby on set, and she's a sweet little angel. Him and uh,
0: Amble, Amber Am, Amber yeah. Tamblin. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm so surprised, you know, because he was. Uh, I, I don't. I have not talked to him enough as a father. I haven't seen him in a while, but, but I'm he's, sure it softened him. It's impossible not to. Yeah, I don't have any of the
1: kids. That's one thing. After arrested, I had my daughter in 2006. After it was canceled, and one big um, way in for this whole kind of waking up to being present thing for me was yeah. having a daughter because it's like you had to keep him alive. So I was like, I got to, I got to be present here.
0: Yeah. Well, he had a wife too. We have a wife. Yes, yeah, so I had
1: a wife, but it was just like when you're with her, it's like yeah. you can't be checked well, out. Yeah, right. You don't want to drop them or right, put right, them on right. the stove. Right. Yeah, that's a, that's a good call. <laughs> How? When did you get married in New York? I got married in 2003. The same year the show got picked up. So ten days before we got married, the show got picked up. And where did you know
0: that girl from? That lady. We that met woman.
1: at um, this. Uh, it was church. We. Um, I had. There's this group that I. My friend Kathy Karbowski and I started um, called the Haven. Where's that? Kind of sounds like a cult, but um, in New York, and really? We had it was kind of a a lot of people whose faith was important to them, artists, yeah. and we would just kind of both encourage each other, see each other's work, and then also we would do a lot of we would try to plan a lot of service projects just to kind of get our eyes off of our community kind of thing, help the community, and like you know, in this business, you're selling yourself. So just to force you to get your eyes off yourself.
0: Like what kind of service? We would make uh, apple
1: pies for <clears throat> Thanksgiving for this is shelter. This, the, this the allergies kicking in? <clears throat> no, I'm okay. I'm, I'm oh. good with water. <laughs> as, as as my throat <laughs> slowly starts closing on the microphone. <laughs> um, we would make, I remember we would make these Valentine heart wreaths for these um uh, uh, these people in the hospital with AIDS. that were infected by AIDS and all these things of just to kind of like, you know, do stuff outside get of out ourselves. Get out of yourself. Yeah.
0: Because it seems that to be out, outwardly Christian, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, in our business, sure, yeah, is not something you hear a lot about. Sure, yeah, you yeah, don't. Yeah. You hear a sort of non-specific spirituality. Mm-hmm. You hear, uh, you know, uh, a so atheism or agnosticism. Sure, but yeah. sort of proud Christians who are not weirdos. I would imagine there was sort of like a cloistering <laughs> sort of thing. Like, okay, we've got us. You know, was yeah. there did that some of that was that compelled by that? Um.
1: I don't know. I I don't remember that. I mean, I think if I'm growing up, I think the faith community is very much like that. It's like you know, we we huddle down, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it's it can it's real. It's a bummer because there need the more. I think with the Haven, there was a recognition of like we're all a mess, you know, yeah. and we. This is God is a, a source of strength for us, yeah. but it's um. I don't know, the more that you don't own your own mess, I think then you do more set yourself apart of yeah. like, but like everybody, and like I think when we own our mess, the bridges are created, conversations are created. You know, many people, I'm, I'm obviously throughout my business, I know many people in different faiths and
0: different beliefs. Yeah, I think and, if you're not proselytizing. Sure, or, or, or you even don't it, think you know better than others, or you're not consumed by delusional prophets. And I
1: would even <laughs> say proselytizing is like—I mean, if somebody asks my story, I, I, it's who I am, so yeah. I love to talk about it. But when there's an agenda attached to that right, story, right, I think right. that's when the proselytizing kicks in.
0: Right, right, yeah. right. So your your relationship with Jesus has evolved and changed over the years.
1: Yeah, and it's um, yeah. I mean, it's it's for me. It is, uh, I knowing that he and is with me yeah. and um sees a bigger picture than i do yeah his ways are higher than my ways right um i fall apart with him <laughs> um he encourages me i mean to forgive when mm-hmm. i don't want to forgive yeah um for my own healing it is i think this is the 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 challenge and i get it is everybody has such a different history with faith Right. And so when Someone hears I'm uh, when my faith is important to me. I yeah. understand, like that's colored by everybody's different experience sure. to that. Yeah, and even you know, it's it is frustrating. You know, you look at the political environment and how the faith community is attached to Trump. Yeah. It's it's challenging because I'm like, hey. The faith I, Jesus I follow says the fruits of the spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's yeah. the fruit of somebody following God. Yeah. And when I don't see one of those in a figure that my community is attached to, yeah. it's uh, upsetting. Yeah. <laughs> right. um, I'm saying I'm working on two or three of those on a good day. Yeah. You know, but right. when I, when it's hard to not find one of those in something, in my community is attached to that.
0: Yeah. It's, and I understand. And then that. Well, there's gets, a schism within the community. I, I I think isn't there? I mean, there's definitely two two camps. Oh, there's definitely two camps. But it's it's something.
1: That's when you I kind of fall back. I don't. I think the older you get, I don't know if you're like this. I don't know people's story. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I can't speak into why somebody is following that man. Yeah. I can't. I can I don't know their journey. Yeah. I know for me it's tricky. Yeah. I, I, not even tricky. I can't. Yeah. But and I have questions, but. I don't know. I think the older I get, I'm like I, I. I can't I can't put out their narrative of why they're doing that. Right. Um, but I know for me, that's not
0: a figure that I want to follow. Why you're not? You why know I'm why? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, and yes, and yes. within the faith umbrella. Within it's the faith cool, umbrella. Cool. And you know, yes. And I'm, and I'm sure on some policy level as well. Because yeah, and it's yes. Yeah. One hundred percent. And it's also
1: everybody there. Well, I don't want to go on a tangent, but it's like there's no bridges of conversation being built between these two sides. Yes, right. And I don't. Within know. the
0: faith community or within Republicans and Democrats?
1: I think with Republicans, Delegates and the faith community. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it's like nobody, everybody is so terrified to. Um, for fear if they give an inch, then the other person is—they're gonna, you know, take something like so.
0: Yeah, it's been It's become like sports. Nobody it's wants. Weird.
1: Nobody wants to just talk and right. engage. And I, I hope that I can engage. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've I have family members that are on that other side, yeah, and, and sure. you know, we're forced. You know, we engage, and you yeah. have to engage, and just to hear where they're coming from. Does it you get know? ugly? Um, there's things you avoid, but. I have to um, see the whole person rather yeah. than the, sure. you know, the things that they
0: are supporting. You Isn't know, that I'm, weird when you like somebody and you're like, I know if I just say one sentence, it's going to be a problem.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it is. <laughs> and thing. is it worth. And it's to me, it's for peace yeah. and to for a bigger conversation. Is it worth saying that sentence? Yeah. You know, because here's the fact. And you know this as well as I do. I'm not going to change anybody's mind.
0: Something Anything I, does, though, sometimes. I don't know. I, I I don't know, know. If I, I say
1: stuff, I don't know if I'm changing anybody's mind. and All we're doing is just screaming. But I'm
0: not saying that we, we can change somebody's mind necessarily. But, you know, you read about or hear about these moments. I know in my own heart, my own moments, where you've, you've held hard and fast to something because of your own fear, resentment, or, or, or injury. Sure. And then, like, some weird passing event melts it away. Like something happens where you see things totally different in a moment. But isn't that
1: your own personal experience of changing
0: that mindset rather than
1: something that's been told to you?
0: Of course, but I mean there I, I just you read about these moments of you know racists, you know, all of a sudden having a come to Jesus moment sure, around sure, sure. the fault of, of how they're seeing it. Yeah. You know, and like you can't manufacture those things, but mm-hmm. they do happen. Yeah. There yeah. there are sort of weird things. I know a lot of people right now are, are have volunteered for a brain fucking that they're not gonna recover from. Right. But but there right, are right. moments that, that happen on a one on one human level that I think really kind of like, you know, change people because they, they all of a sudden they can let go of their, yeah. Of their burden. Here's my,
1: but with that, that takes yeah. a dropping of the guard on both yes, parts, yes, on both sides. Sure, yeah. For that, for them to each be vulnerable enough to be open to somebody else hearing this, I've, you know, I can't force someone to be open to what I'm saying. Of course, they
0: have to make that choice themselves. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's just a window. Hey, look, they're crying. I got an opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, <laughs> did you find that doing Veep sort of gave you, uh, you know, at least you, you know proximity-wise? Or you're not saying that you were involved in a a very thorough and intelligent satire of our political system. That was that somehow did that feel like you were doing something? Did that feel like service? Uh, mm, yeah,
1: I mean, I, I, I it, it changed. Like I remember when I was doing Veep, I, I kind of loved. Um, I love showing a slice of life, a little real slice of life of what might be happening behind the scenes rather than all we hear is the perfect speeches. But like Washington- Not, not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> but like, it's like, you know, um, these people are, it's pressure cookers for massive decisions in the yeah, world. Yeah. So you know, behind the scenes, people were losing their minds sure. and being like, was that right? I don't know, did I say the right thing? So I like showing that window yeah. of like the humanity behind the curtain. Right, you know. Right. And then as it progressed, it was like, okay, now there's already a satire happening on CNN. You know, it was a very, and then it kind of just became about um, ego and, you know, I don't
0: know. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it, was, it becomes impossible to parody now because even even the most extreme satire is sort of like you're nostalgic for that amount of chaos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, a, yeah, yeah. At least there was an order to that chaos. There was a respect yeah. for the institution. However, so. w- I will say one,
1: not to make it into a moral tale. Julia, right. Julia always made fun of me for this, but <laughs> I think the big gratification I get from Veep, yeah. from doing Veep, is to me it's a beautiful picture of you reap what you sow, because Selena Meyer she um, sowed her whole life selfishness, arrogance, yeah. stabbing people in the back, yeah. all for herself and she reaped isolation. Yeah. She reaped a life of sadness and everybody left her. Yeah. And here's the deal, when you when you sow that, that's is
0: what will happen. And that's a huge bummer. Like mm. that's your legacy. Right. And that's a bummer. Yeah, yeah. And and that that is the way humanity works yeah. in a way and again like,
1: i'm speaking from a place i'm not perfect i've had entitled moments i've had arrogant moments yeah. but i like i hopefully i'm more aware of my you know or just you know having that awareness of like hey maybe that's not the best choice to treat someone like let me say the right thing here let me be kind here let me you know it's like sure. cuz that does reap a different uh, fruit
0: so your your faith and 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 the the principles of it you know inform those moments of being present, like in your yeah. in your times of anxiety, like because like as somebody who has the faith, you know, and you also struggle with this constant, you know, self talk that's yeah, negative. Yeah, sure, sure. That like I would assume that that at some point the relationship with God yeah. has got to step in there somehow. It does, and I was just
1: talking to a friend of mine this morning about we were talking about our church that we go yeah. to. And my favorite thing, this is what I love also about the Quaker church, they allow for these moments of silence. You're you in just, the Quaker church now? No, I'm oh, not now, is, but oh. I, this is what I love about the Quaker yeah. service is they have these times of just silence where you're sitting and just quiet. Yeah. And one of my favorite things when I go to the church I go to is just sitting before everybody goes, they just sitting in the pews and knowing I'm not alone. And it's that sense of how he sees me, um, how he created me, um, just feeling um, safe. Yeah. And it's and when having that foundation, um, it it really strengthens me. And you grew up with it all
0: the way through, or did it come? I think later? Yeah, yeah, I did. I
1: did. Yeah. It was it was not. Um, I would say, for lack of a better way of saying, like a personal faith. It right. was more of a social faith. It was like a church. but, but going it was always there. It was always there. Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Now the relationship with Julia and the comedic dynamic. How did it start and how did it evolve over the arc of the thing? Because, like, it's so unique, that pairing, that comedy team of you and her. Hmm. It seems like it is so natural and so honestly symbiotic. (laughs) How did it start? Um, Oh, man. It was... it's hard to put
1: into words because it was such a, a joyful experience for me. She, I
0: think, she's one of the best comedic actresses she's ever.
1: Amazing, and she's also—I um, was in such close proximity to her all yeah. the time. I grabbed, I grabbed all the subtlety that she gave. Yeah. I think it was—I um, don't know. We kind of we we on a very personal level we became very good friends. Oh, you did. Yeah, and so I think it's uh, that really we. There was a ground. There was a respect there. There was a value for each other um there was a tr- there was a trust where mm. if you know you throw something out you you know that they they're, they're going to throw it back right. and also if if something didn't sit ra- right if it was like yeah this doesn't feel right it wasn't met with like no it's fine it's like it's like no let's talk about it let's figure right. it, let's get to the place where you feel comfortable and just looking at the <laughs> looking at the the description of the characters she was such the mouth And I was described as a bitchy mime Uh on the show. So I couldn't even, I didn't even have a verbal. I was all
0: nonverbal. In the script originally. Just
1: like Gary would say sometimes like moans or sounds. And he was all facial expressions because she wouldn't let me speak. Right. So it was this really fun like, I had to create a language behind her to be able to communicate. And then she just, I don't know, just that energy of her putting me down and me worshiping her having a blindness <laughs> to the way she treated me. Right. I just, it's like to step in, to know that's not your life and to step into that kind of dysfunction on a play way is so much fun. Yeah. Like in life, cause you know, as you know, the base of comedy is very sad. Like yeah. you look at the Family of Arrest Development, you look at the, the people in Veep, they're atrocious yeah. Yeah. human beings. <laughs> yeah, But it's to step into that kind of dysfunction and to play in it and to give yourself that permission, oh, it's just nothing better.
0: Yeah, and uh, and you, so you guys were friends, so you were with her through the health crisis and everything. Yeah, yeah. She's doing okay. She's doing great. Oh, that's She's great. really doing great, and she,
1: man, she has a perseverance to her that is really. Uh, just really impressive.
0: Yeah, I love her. I can't, I don't know anybody who is as consistently... She's been on here, right? Yeah. yeah. Consistently funny before she got the cancer, though. Mm-hmm. I haven't talked to her since then. Yeah. But uh, so consistently and so on purposely funny than her. Maybe, yeah. Maybe Farrell, Will Farrell can yeah. do it as well. But And yeah. I
1: think she takes every opportunity. Like, she didn't just, uh, when a script came or uh, whatever, she would look at it and we, sometimes we would stop and she's like, yeah, this doesn't, um, we need to mush this up. Like, this, this, it's always that sense. And, her and I, when we would get on set, I mean, the writers Dave and all of them worked so hard. Yeah. But it was like, okay, how can we bump this up physically? So like, you drop your coat, I'll catch it. You know, you do this. Right? Like, how can we bring some physicality into this? Always amp it up. Even when she was at award shows, it was like, if I if I do win or if I'm presenting, how can I make this the funniest thing? You know, she's like, great
0: physical comic, so it's oh, all yeah. thought out. You guys would sit there and orchestrate. Oh yeah, it.
1: always thought it. out. It had to be. Yeah, because it was a very organized chaos. There was yeah. one time. I don't remember what it was, but she was at a presidential she had not been president anymore, and uh, she was at a presidential museum and there was a president's desk behind these ropes and she goes and sits behind the desk, but she said, Keep a watch out that nobody's looking. And then there had then we were then somebody came, we had to jump over the banister, and then I had to catch her right before she fell on the floor. Right. And it looked very chaotic, but like you really have to
0: choreograph that kind of sure. stuff. Oh yeah. And you won two Emmys for this. I know, isn't that nuts? that was did, really surprising. But did that did you feel good?
1: Yeah. I mean, I uh, yeah, it's v- still very surreal to me. Yeah. I remember being nominated f- f- for the first time when I was and just being like, "What the hell?" <laughs> and that excitement, yeah. but then that terror of like, "Oh god, that's it's it feel it felt pressure." And I remember this therapist I was working with really encouraged me to be like, "Hey, I know you want to check out yeah, yeah. <laughs> during this, or you want to minimize it just to get through it, right? Because it seems so oh, larger than life.
0: Minimizing to get through.
1: Yeah, because it was like because it was it seemed too too much energy. So yeah. like, I wanted to. I think just in life, like if there's two highs or two lows, you want to neutralize it because it's so, too yeah. much. Yeah. And he was like, "I really want you to breathe, and I want you to look around, and I want you to. This is where I am, and embrace it. And you know, since I did that, I remember it."
0: That's great. Well, I, I think I think all those things you were just saying too about like whatever you're thinking about, mini- like leveling it. I think a lot of it is to try to get 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 ahead of it, control wise.
1: Get ahead of it because when you know, you know, because of uh, yeah. life and growing up, some things weren't safe, didn't feel safe, yeah. and so you wanted to try to how can I peacemake, how can I stabilize this, how can race? I take anything. Yes. Yes. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. How like, can?
0: Yeah. Like, like, I'll just make make the most negative projection. Yeah. And so I can deal with that in my head, and then yeah. I'm ready.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want
0: to get too excited because <laughs> it, you know you don't know what's around the corner. Sure, so it's it like suck. I got to stabilize I might, it. Yeah. I, I, it might they take it away from me. It drops yeah. on my foot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So totally. you still do a lot of like, you know, it's because it, you're so identified with comedy, but you do a lot of serious parts. So what, what do you, it, you've, you've done a lot of things, but what 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 are you hoping for now? I mean, these animated projects are great. What is Forky's, ask a question. <laughs> <laughs> Again, yeah, so, I, I, I got the, I, I saw the title, but I did not get the thing.
1: Yeah, so this character I did in Toy Story, Forky, he's a uh, he's a, a spork that's called Forky because his little girl calls him a, a, a fork. And he just he doesn't understand anything about the universe, and he just asks a lot of questions. And it's really a sweet. Toy Stories was a really sweet story because Woody comes along, and and the spork is like, "Listen, I'm here to help people eat, people eat chili, and then I'm going to the trash. That's my route." Yeah. And Woody's <laughs> like, "No, you're made for more than that. You're made to be loved and yeah. to love." Yeah. Um, and so now this little web series, he just goes around and asks a lot of questions. He's like, "What's cheese? What's love? Oh, what's so what's a friend?" So All it's an
0: educational kid thing.
1: Yeah, and just in typical Pixar fashion,
0: just very well done. It would very what, well done. Well, it's great. And what's you know what's your level of service these days? Uh, like do you go talk to the kids? Do you, do do, you do do any of that kind of stuff?
1: I do actually. Really, I just talked to Pepperdine. I I really enjoy talking to students uh-huh. about because you and I have had interesting experiences and you know, I did get my dream and I did learn a lot of lessons about, you know, being present. And, yeah. and also the whole idea of fame I like to talk about. Yeah. You know, it's, um, I think... We all want to be known and we look at fame as the ultimate being known. But yeah. actually, if you're known by people who love you and that's all the known you're ever going to need, it's better. Just because it's not, fame can be very isolating and all this kind of stuff. So, But I think our society is still like, how many Instagram followers do you have? How, how yeah, famous are you? It's but it's like, it's actually, fame is actually the opposite of what people, it's the opposite of being known. You yeah. Know? So, anyways, or I being love being loved sometimes. And being loved. And I love talking about that. And, you know, I, there's this, anyways, I. Anytime I can help out, there's this great organization called International Justice Mission that fights human uh, trafficking. Oh, great. I just love any time to give a voice to them uh, because it's very easy to give a voice that are, you know, just in our little world of stuff that's running, but like globally, what's going on and children being trafficked. And it's
0: absolutely horrific. And we just don't know about it. Yeah. You know, or we turn a blind eye to it. Sure. It's hard to, yeah. We're we're so consumed with all the shit coming out of us out of at us, and yeah. on a day-to-day basis it's yeah. hard to know and then when you do know you're like oh my god yeah and that
1: was that made me think of um I was telling this story the other day but it's like um even in anxiety yeah when you can get your eyes off yourself it is such a gift yeah. because I, I was years ago also when I was doing Conan I was about to step out and I felt the wave of panic come over me yeah. and I was like oh god I have a choice here I'm either yeah. going to bolt or do something and there was these two guys standing by the curtain, and I just started asking them questions. I was like, oh, yeah. where are you from? Yeah, how know, long have you been doing yeah, this? Yeah. Um, how long have you been a curtain guy? How long have you been a curtain guy? Just something. Yeah. And then the curtains open, and I walked out. And it's like, anytime, it's such a gift to get your eyes off yourself because you just live in this yeah. you know, headspace. B- believe me, why do you think I do this show? I know. And that's <laughs> I was doing somebody else's podcast, and I was telling them, what a gift, yeah. not only to you, but like, in addition to hearing other
0: stories, but like, man, just like to get your eyes, what a gift to do that. Get out, yeah, get out of yourself. Oh, those guys at the curtain on Conan, I had a thing with them, the one, because every time I'd be standing there, I always look at the one guy, I forget his name, I go like, I got nothing. <laughs> So like it became this thing like I'd go there. you would go, like, "What do you got?" And, like nothing, got nothing. But what a gr- what a- wouldn't it be a cool documentary to
1: tape that section right before somebody walks out? How people deal and manage anxiety. Well, yeah, that moment. Was like, can I get water? Yeah, can I get a water?
0: Yeah, can, can, I I get a little- can I get a
1: water? Or just pace? <laughs> or just start talking? or you know fixing clothes or just Wait, like let something me see the thing. let me see the sheet yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay okay yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally i understand when you hear those like older actors have all the cards on the walls yeah, just to yeah. remember
0: because it's like you know you just the older you, get, you just things just kind of leave you that's for sure i don't even know where we started with this thing yeah <laughs> exactly it's good talking to you though man really good talking to you thanks for having me thanks for coming <laughs> that was Tony Hale That was a, I, I found that to be a very engaging and interesting conversation about a lot of things faith, anxiety, parents I think you hear the depth great, what a great guy uh, he is uh, currently the voice of Forky in the show Forky Asks a Question for the new Disney Plus streaming service that launches tomorrow he also has an animated show that he co-created on Netflix called Archibald's Next Big Thing, I was on there I'm the hermit crab for an episode Arrested Development Veep any other things that you love, Tony? In. I was very happy to talk to him. And now I will play my Stratocaster through the old amp and the Echo Plex. Just some dirty blues, redundant, three chords, motherfucker.